Today's scripture reading is taken from John uh, chapter 12, starting verse 42. John 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Good evening, church. It's certainly a pleasure to be able to speak before you all again. Uh, for the last week and for the coming week, we've been talking about true conversion. Uh, last week, Clay introduced us with the concept of going from unbelief to faith. And not just faith, but faith in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ is, necessary, is the necessary foundation and the vehicle by which we are converted. Uh, to be uh, to Christ, hold on, <laughs> sorry about that. We're to be converted to Christ and converted, transformed into his image. Uh, faith requires both a conversion of the mind and of the heart. But saving re faith requires more than just conversion of intellect and a conviction of the heart. <clears throat> John 12 42 for 43 illustrates that these people had faith, but their faith did not lead them to conversion. Uh, that is because they feared what they might lose, their fellowship, the people that they knew, the things that they held valuable. They preferred the praise of their fellow man rather than the praise of God. And while a conversion of the mind through the facts of the gospel and a conversion of the heart through the appeal of the gospel are absolutely necessary for true conversion to take place and even to remain converted, it only brings us to the point at which we must make a decision whether we are willing to undergo complete transformation and surrender to Christ, or we will be forever tormented, having come so close to saving faith without being saved. John 10.9 refers, Jesus refers to himself as this door that we must enter into to be saved and to find pasture. Romans 10, 8 through 11, let me find here, says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Romans 10, 8 through 11, illustrates that faith and confession lead to Christ. But we will have to walk through this door in order to be saved. We have to enter in. God wants more than just our hearts and our minds to be converted. He wants our soul to be converted. Strong's defines the soul as the seat of our affections and will. It's who we really are, the true us, the us that God sees is the center of our being which God holds in such high esteem and to which he seeks to save from sin. You can look back to John 12 for this. You could see that these people believed in him. You could say that they had their affection for him. But they did not choose to follow him. Their affections for worldly status and comfort were greater. 
they were not willing to leave all and follow him. Um, to further this idea that God wants more than just what we say and do, you could look to Matthew 15:8, talking about the religious elite and how they would honor God with their lips, but they, and they even did religion flawlessly, but their heart was in the wrong place. We can have a mindset of seeking righteousness, in this case, self-righteousness. We can even perform religion flawlessly, but not have our hearts in it. By these two examples, we can see how people can accept or reject Christ based upon what their own mindset says, what they have determined what is good and right and what holds value and what doesn't. This is a part of our sinful nature. To want to establish our own value system, our own self-righteousness, self-righteousness, and ultimately our own salvation. The sinful nature exchanges what is true about us for a lie. We can turn to Genesis chapter 3 and see this take place. Genesis 3 verse 4 through 5, we can see the serpent deceiving woman. She can, she's convinced that she is less than she should be. Um, sorry. In verse 6, she reasons with herself that this fruit will in fact make her what she ought to be in becoming like God. Uh, determining, for, determining for herself that God was lying by withholding something from her. In this case, she had a misplaced faith. Instead of being placed in God, she placed it in what Satan had told her. But don't forget that man was right alongside her when all this took place and willingly followed after her and took part in this. Even when in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, God specifically warned about the consequences of these actions. They exchanged who they were, perfect children of God, for a lie, and therefore condemned their own souls. Verses 7, 8, and, or 7, 8, and 10 go on with this conviction and being identified with sin, the sin that brought guilt, fear, and awareness of their nakedness. <clears throat> and with this sin comes its own inherent value. For we know that the wages of sin is death, in Romans 6.23. Romans 6, so what did man and woman immediately do after, after sinning? They hid from the Lord to try and escape from the guilt and the shame, but they couldn't hide. Likewise, we too suppress or try to hide our shame, our guilt, our exposure, and our sin by trying to cover it up. Tragically, we'd rather try and cover it up than be open with it and be converted. We cover it up with things such as people, this person, my spouse, my boyfriend or girlfriend. We associate with those things to try and cover it up. Things like this new phone, this car, this house. If I only had these things, it wouldn't be so bad. Even things such as a career. If I have the right job, none of that matters. We'll cover it with anything but the blood of Christ. We might be able to better describe our soul as the throne of who we are. We have who we have on this throne is who we can identify ourselves with, uh, whether that's myself or someone else. And in association with that person and their works, we can find our value, and that's what we and, and what they have done or what I have done. Let's see. In order to be saved from sin, we must not suppress and hide the sins which are destroying the soul, but confront them and be willing, be willing to remove who and what is already on the throne, to make way for something else. This, in essence, 
This is the essence of true conversion, a willing submission of the affections and of our will. It is God's desire that man's soul is converted, mind, heart, and soul, for the sake of salvation. We know our lack, or, I'm sorry, this is the biggest statement of this, oh, my, I'm sorry. True conversion takes place when Jesus' life of righteousness, righteousness, his death for our sins, take on my own. And likewise, we identify with his burial of the flesh and the resurrection of a new life. Submitting by faith to God in baptism is where the Bible tells us that all these things occur. Paul details this account in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9-11, through 11, that it is in baptism where ultimate faith is placed in the work of Christ as we die to our sinful ways and express our desire to be raised from the dead to a newness of life in God. Acts 2.38 furthers this. When, Paul, or when Peter says to those around him, he says, Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. This washing of your sins eliminates the need for guilt and of shame. Not only that, but in John 1.9 says that when we continue to go back to God, confessing our sins to him, he continues to wash us of those sins. We could go on to read Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 11. Do you not know that all of you who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For as one who has died to be set free for, I'm sorry, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lived, the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. To couple with that in Galatians 4.9, it also refers to us when we are freed from sin, we become heirs with Christ. <clears throat> in this, we can find our true identity. When we then continue to submit our strength to Christ in this, well, that's something Jose will cover next week, so we'll leave that to him. To conclude, faith in Christ leads us to the conversion of the mind, the heart, and the soul, in which is salvation. God wants all of us to be truly and, truly and fully converted. It's God's desire that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's 2 Peter 3.9. Um, God has provided the way to resolve that sin and be restored to how he has created us to be, children of God that live in communion with their creator. We should all continually ask ourselves these questions, for followers of Christ especially. Do I have a complete saving faith in Jesus, and am I truly converted in keeping my soul cleansed from sin? It is imperative that all of us as Christians continue to yield our will and our affections to Jesus. <clears throat> For those who have not yet walked through this door that our faith presents to us, 
I urge you now to find yourself salvation and new life in Christ by submitting in baptism to the person and the work of Jesus. If you have that need, please come forward.